And welcome to another Round the Rotary podcast with me, your host, J.P. Warren. Thanks, for everyone, for tuning in uh, today. Uh, and uh, before we begin on this uh, episode, I need to say that Round the Rotary podcast is brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants. CPC specializes in project engineering and well site supervision in all disciplines of the oil and gas industry. Contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com to see what CPC can do for you today. Anyway, so here's the host. Uh, so, so here's the here's the guest we have. Uh, we have today. We have a uh, Marshall uh, Marshall Brown, the senior field engineer uh, for workovers at Oasis Petroleum, and also uh, the owner. And what'd you call it before? Founder, founder, the founder, owner. So pretty much what you're doing, you're importing. Okay, no, let's let's stop yet. So he's the owner of a startup coffee shop here in Houston, Texas, called Clutch City Coffee. And uh, once we get into that, you can provide the uh, address and all that stuff. But it's right inside the uh, the loop off of uh, Richmond, Richmond, right across from Luling Barbecue. That's right. That's right. So and uh, and the expected date to open that is we're hoping uh, you know middle of December. Okay, middle of December, right? Right in time for Christmas. So Merry Christmas to us. Um, all right, hey Marshall. First off, dude, thanks for coming in. Um, for those of you who don't know Marshall, he is uh, he's a character. Uh, that's that's enough to say. Um, uh, he's an uh, inspiration for uh, for my hair um, and uh, all that all that all that fun talk. So anyway, so Marshall, once you uh, once you get us kicked off, but I want you give us a little background, kind of where you're from, where you grew up, and kind of what brought you into the oil field. So I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, but my family is from Kingsville, Corpus Christi, Port Aransas area, South Texas. Okay. And my dad moved to Jackson with Forest Oil and Gas, and that's why how he got there, and he left and started his own deal. Who is that, Forest? Forest Oil and yeah, Gas. Okay. Yeah, okay. Long time. Old name. I remember going to Forest's, like, when I first got into sales, like, going to, like, their old building downtown Houston. Yep. Like, the ceilings were, like, seven feet tall. It was before they moved, or they, they, they merged, or where they moved to that the new Sabine. building. Yeah, yeah, that's but right. it was like that, it was like that low ceilings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. So, uh, yep, we uh, grew up in Jackson, um, but my family was in South Texas, so I'd do about seven seven months a year in, in Jackson, and then when I wasn't in school, I'd be down in Port Aransas or Corpus, you know, right. five months a year, four or five months a year, and I did that growing up my whole life. So would you consider yourself a, a Mississippianite or a, a Texan? A Mississippian or a Texan? Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because the Mississippians consider me Texan, and uh, the Texans, they don't know what to think, so. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of me. Like, I grew up, in, I was born in Houston, grew up here until I was eight years old. Then I moved to Connecticut until I was 18, and I came back down here. So it's like, I think it kind of depends on the conversation you're talking to. It's like, oh, where are you from? It's like, Texas. It's like, where are you from? It's like, well, Connecticut, but I got here as fast as I could. That's right. Depends yeah. who you're talking to, who, yeah. where you're from. All right. So uh, so you grew up, uh, you split uh, cities. Mm-hmm. All right. Kind of joint custody with cities. That's right. Kind of. Family would go back and forth. Everyone called us gypsies. Right. We'd pack up and leave for the summer, or Christmas, or whenever. Isn't that kind of what Jake did? Like his family, too? Jake like, Voss? Yeah. Goes yeah. down to Arkansas all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. I yeah. think uh, in the summer times, it was crazy what he did. They would live in Barrow, Alaska in the wintertime and Arkansas in the summertime. You'd think you'd flip that a little you'd bit. you think you'd do a little backwards. You'd swappy. Hey, you know, whatever works for them. That works for them. So okay. Turned out pretty good for them. So your dad worked for Forest Oil and Gas. Yep. Yep. All right. And uh, and so you're growing up between these two places. So where'd you go to school? I went to St. Andrew's Episcopal School growing up. Are you Episcopal? I am. I grew up Episcopal, too. There you go. Yeah. yeah so I knew I kindergarten through 12th grade, and then I went to Mississippi State. Okay. And uh, what'd you uh, study there? Mechanical engineering. Okay. Yep. Played football and did engineering, but uh, football went by the wayside about my junior year. Quit, which is a regret. But hey, did you quit to focus on studies? No, not at all. Okay, uh, studies were a secondary thought to me back then. Uh, 
no, quit. I was just in a bad place. Immaturity got the best of me, and I walked out. I think um, uh, I actually graduated from immaturity getting the best place of me probably about two years ago, and I'm 40 <laughs> years old. So anyway, so uh, so Mississippi State. Yep. Okay. Graduate mechanical engineering. Were you always good at math and all that stuff? No, I uh, I could do math, but I didn't like math. And uh, I had my my first passion was actually biology and science. What? Really? So, yeah, actually. What did you like about that? I just, I love science. Uh, you know, I still read biology papers, which is kind of weird because I find them interesting. Really? Yeah. And so, actually, I went to school for seven years. Um, okay. My first two years was a biology major, pre-med. I wanted to go to medical school. And then my, uh, I guess, my junior year of college, which uh, I decided, you know, did not want to go to medical school. Why like, junior? Is that when you make the decision what you kind of want? Uh, you kind of start getting more serious about what you're doing. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of prereqs and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, getting, 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 getting those uh, filter classes. That's out. right. Yep. You know, and I was like, you know, I love biology. I don't want to make this a, a living because it'll ruin it for me. I was like, well, I can do math. I don't like math. And I was like, well, I don't want to go into, I guess, you know, my family, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my uncles, my father, my siblings have been in the oil field. So you're fourth Fourth generation. Fourth generation. I think we've had a couple people on that have been fourth generation oil field. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. All right. And I uh, decided that, you know, it's like, well, let's go to engineering. I'll go into the oil business and, and try that out. So I switched majors my junior year and started school over. So besides being a fourth generation oil field um, tycoon, uh, what <laughs> one thing what? about the oil business is it can make you or it can break you. <laughs> I think it's breaking more people than <laughs> making right. them these days. That's right. Shit. Join so, the club. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, <laughs> So did you have like did you just pick to go in the oil field because you, that's what your family did before you and and you're like eh okay I'll just do that well I, I saw some I was the only one in my family who's ever actually worked for a, a major before I worked for ConocoPhillips for a while we'll get in that later but, okay um, you know most everyone's an independent um, they work for themselves or small mom and pop shops and I just saw how much fun they had you know work yeah. hard play hard kind yeah. of an oil field mantra and. And I, I saw that and I was like, man, you know, I enjoy playing. I don't, I'm not afraid of hard work. Yeah. Let's, let's go do this. This seems like it'd be fun. It's the best of both worlds right yeah, there. That's right. And that's the thing about the oil industry that I love. I mean, we really do have some of the hardest workers out there. I mean, we really, and the sharpest people out there too. But we also like to have a really good time too. That's right. Yeah. You work hard, you play hard. That's it. I, I, I get that. I so get that's that. kind of what drew it to me, you know, drew okay. it to the business was, uh, Work hard, play hard. And so where, where, where was your first uh, job? Yeah, well, actually, when I graduated college, I was like, I, I disliked engineering so much. I was like, I'm not doing this. And I went to South Africa, and I thought I was going to go over there and work for De Beers or something stupid like that. And I, I didn't. I was ignorant. I didn't so you're know. trying to get the blood diamond uh, yeah, business. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. something crazy. Anyway, I get went it. over there for four or five, four months and ran out of money and came back. And um, Did you go there solo? Yeah, just by myself. Was, why, why South Africa? Uh, I don't know. It was just something that's always, it's just been one of those little places in my mind that I've always wanted to go to. You know, they've got Jeffrey's Bay and the greatest wave on earth from the endless summer. You know, you, you want to go see that stuff. Well, the greatest wave on earth, I think was in Point Break. Ah, okay. That was the once every like, was a hundred year wave that comes in. <laughs> Remember the one? Point that- Break, that was in Bells Beach, Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't even know the Bell's Beach. I like that. I like how you know the location of this. So South Africa. Yeah. So was it a good experience there? Yeah, it was awesome. Went down there. You know, I play rugby for fun. It's big rugby culture. And I wanted to go down there and check it out and met some rugby guys that let me stay with them for a couple months. So you just went solo? Yeah. Just went and hung out. I respect that. It's like, uh, it's kind of like the the Euro move. It's like, I'm just going to go live over here for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
So, so out of money, you're back. Out of money, back here. I get picked up by a service company called Frac Tech. Yeah. And uh, they moved me to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, which is the northeast Pennsylvania and worked Marcellus. So I move up there and, man, I was actually living in Austin when I came back. I was working, trying to work in a little greenhouse at a little nursery, you know, just kind of hanging out trying to find a job. Right. And Fractec picks me up and I get a phone call and I'm sitting, you know, in Barton Springs in my board shorts and flip-flops and having fun with my friends. And all of a sudden, you know, the next thing I know, I'm in a U-Haul heading up to Williams, uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So what, what, what was the job? The job is a frac, frac engineer. Okay. Frac right. engineer for frac tech. And I pull up and it's snowing. I think like a little teardrop comes out of my eye. Like reality kicked me right in the face. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so did you, so you, you were up there for how long? I was in uh, Pennsylvania for two and a half years. I uh, did, I was in Williamsport for about eight months and then they asked me to be the in-house engineer for range resources. Okay. Um, in their Appalachian stuff. And they right. moved me down to the Pittsburgh, greater Pittsburgh area. I think their office is in Cannonsburg. I've heard Pittsburgh is actually pretty nice. It is beautiful in the That's summertime. So it is gorgeous. I, I feel like the eighties kind of like, well, first off, there's a couple of cities like, you know, Detroit in the eighties was always bad. Like RoboCop, RoboCop two, every bad movie took place in Detroit with a crime, but Pittsburgh, I mean, it's always like the, you know, you always picture like Steel meals, but apparently it's beautiful when you go there. It is not the steel city anymore. Yeah. It is a bridge city, three rivers. They've got, it's just an absolutely beautiful city. Would uh, you go for, back? Um, I wouldn't move back, but I would I would go back. To okay. Visit. The winter's kind of tough. The sun disappears, doesn't come back kind of deal. You know, from April, I guess from September to April, you don't see the sun. And that's kind of tough. It's just clouds. Well, that's kind of frustrating because then after that, you go to where? Uh, from Pennsylvania, I uh, moved. They Fractec moves me down to Houston to be the in-house engineer for Marathon Oil's Bakken asset. Okay, and so I do that for a little bit, and then uh, I get picked up by Conoco Phillips, and yeah. they make me a completions engineer in West Texas. Okay, work in the Central Basin platform. What year was that? I moved to Houston in 2013, and then. February of 2014, I started with Conoco. Okay, so you're doing West Texas about 2014. 2014 okay. to 20, no, see, 2014 and 2015, yep. Okay. I work in West Texas, and then in 2015, Conoco moves me to Alaska. So that's what I'm getting at. It's like you're complaining about the gray skies from, oh, from, you know, May to <laughs> September, but it's like, dude, you're going to Alaska, we're, we're literally six months out of the year, the sun stays up till 2 a.m., or it goes down at 1 p.m. But it's different in Alaska. So, I don't know. I've never been. I'm just going so in the, up what, in the winter what I don't time, know. In the wintertime, yeah, there's you know, 20, 20, uh, 19 hours of, of night. But for those three or four hours, the sun is actually up and shining, and it's hitting the snow, and it's bright. Okay. Right? So you actually get the sunlight, whereas in Pennsylvania— It's just gloomy. It's just dark, gloomy yeah. for six to eight months. So you might not get a lot of sun in Alaska, but when you do get it, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. That kind of messes with my mood, the whole gloominess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So in Alaska. So I stayed in Alaska for four years, I guess. And then in 2018, I uh, or three and a half years, four years. I, and you met your wife in Alaska. I did. Right? She's from Fairbanks. Okay. Yeah, yep, right. absolutely. All right. Um, and I moved down to Houston in 2018. So she was like, hey, get me out of this picturesque, beautiful, oh. pristine <laughs> countryside take me to houston wrong oh uh, okay no, she was she was not happy when uh, actually it was we were dating and uh, she went to japan with her school she's a, a teacher all right and she did uh, she took her i guess a group of students to japan and 
while she was gone, I got a phone call from Oasis. It says, uh, you know, we would like you to move down here and uh, move into the asset group opposed to drilling completions and interventions. So did you move down here with o- Oasis? I did. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. So Oasis called and they offered me a job in the asset group and I'd wanted to diversify my resume a little bit. And so I, I took the opportunity, Conoco, you know, they, they were, you can move into the asset group later, right. not now. Yeah. I was kind of thinking now. So yeah. Okay. I made the move. And so she got back from Japan and, uh, I had till like, I guess she got back on like a Saturday and I had to tell him on Monday whether I accepted the job or not. So we hadn't seen each other in three weeks. Oh my God. And Sunday night we're talking. I was like, okay, this isn't going to be easy, but uh, I got a job offer and I think I have to take it. And she was not a happy camper. Yeah. And it took everything I had just to get her to not break up with me. And yeah. Convinced her, just give me a chance. That's why you, you throw that ring on it. Yeah. Well, ooh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we decided to try long distance for a while, and it worked out. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and we got married, engaged and married, and now she uh, she lives down here. Does anyone else live with y'all? Yeah, we had a little girl uh, about five months ago. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah, How's that going for you? It's fantastic. It's your first one. It's first one. Yeah. You know? It's you, um, you know, it's pretty cliche. Everyone says it's the greatest thing you'll ever do, but, I mean, once you do it, you can't imagine life without it. And also, let's let's be honest about newborns, okay? I mean, you all see you see these pictures on like social media, like the family's well rested, like the baby's like a week old, and it's like tucked in this weird position. It's like, oh my god, so, we're so people. So, it's like, no, time out. The first three months of a child's life, you're like, I don't understand. I don't understand how the human race can evolve this far along because those first three four months is ridiculous. It was it's tough. Like, god, like, like what are you crying about? Like you're literally. In a controlled environment, 72 degrees outside, you eat all the time, and when you you, yep. you, <laughs> you get your diapers changed, you're not living in the elements like it's like ancient Sparta. You know what I mean? Yep. But it's tough. It is tough. But uh, And that also is tough, too, because you're doing a rotation right now, right? That's right. So in May, uh, my job got eliminated. I was, a, I guess, asset development engineer or okay. project assessment engineer or something like that. And um, they eliminated my position, and they told me that they would like me to do a two-and-two two in North Dakota um, doing workovers. And you had to do that whole uh, quarantine two weeks before your daughter was born. So anyway, so. Uh, it was it was nuts. But, yeah, so, you know, um, I was one of the uh, lucky ones that got an opportunity to stick around and uh, decided to go do a two-and-two. And, two. and it was uh, tough timing because that was right. My, yep. uh, my daughter was born June 25th. I know. So it was one month before. I know. So anyway, so so uh, that's kind of a so that kind of brings up to speed today. But uh, we're actually, I mean, look, we can talk about the oil field all we want. Eh, we've been there, done that, all that stuff. We're not going to bring anything to the table that nobody, no one already knows. But until right now, right now we're going to bring something to the table, and that's kind of want to bring you in here right now. Like you're doing something that's kind of outside the box and interesting. I mean, you're hearing a lot of people kind of uh, in the oil field right now, kind of be worried about you know whatever, you know, what's going on in the industry right now and kind of the, 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 the global economy and want to get out of the oil field and want to do this and that. But you're actually, you kind of a, a different uh, thing going on. I, I introduced you as a uh, the senior field engineer, but also the owner uh, and uh, of, a, of, of a startup coffee uh, shop. Uh, why? So, okay. So let's, let's stop real quick. So tell me about this coffee shop that you're, that you're planning to open up. So we're going to open a drive-through only coffee shop espresso stand so no wi-fi no tables no no tables no music it is simply a 
quick, fast, and good enough cup of coffee. So why, why, why coffee? I mean, there's, I feel like there's so many other things that you can kind of get into, but why, why coffee? So uh, when I lived in Alaska... That's a great question, JP. <laughs> when I lived in Alaska... You got to say that at least five times. Gotcha. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start throwing that in there for you. Um, when I lived in Alaska, uh, the, I think Alaska has the most coffee shops per capita of any state... Or Anchorage has the most coffee shops of any city per capita in the United States. So something like 2.5 coffee shops per 10,000 residents. Is the coffee good up there? It's delicious. Really? It's good. You know, Seattle is is typically or I guess considered like the coffee hub of the yeah. United States. It's where Starbucks is from, right? And all that. Right. Does. Well, that culture, coffee culture, has permeated into into Alaska and Anchorage, and there are coffee stands everywhere. So stands, well, the little drive-throughs, yeah. little shacks, but there's also cafes and whatnot. Right. But mainly, every corner in Anchorage has a drive-through coffee stand. Okay, you go. I mean, it's cold, so you're always wanting. It's dark, and you're always, you know, picking up something on the way to go. And uh, when I moved down to, and I got, I got used to. I lived probably. Three blocks from a stand called Cafe okay. D'Art. Okay. And delicious and great, great people that worked there and became friends with them. And um, I got accustomed to having that right next to around the house real fast, you know, drive through on either side real quick. And uh, when I moved down to Houston, I was, uh, my my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, uh, came to visit. Good clarification. Yeah. <laughs> came to visit and we um, were going to go down to Port Aransas. She flew into Houston, spent the night, and we're going to go down to Port Aransas in, in the morning. And uh, she was like, well, let's just pick up some coffee on the way before we leave. Right. Absolutely. You know, it didn't even cross. I hadn't been here more than a couple of weeks before she came down. And so we get up in the morning and I type in my phone, you know, coffee, let's go get some. And everything's like Starbucks, yeah. Starbucks, Starbucks. And I was like, nah, we don't, we don't particularly like Starbucks. Yeah. Nothing against Starbucks; it's just not our flavor. Is it? Is it? Is it because you're against big corporations, or is it because it, the coffee tastes very bitter? I am not a fan of their coffee. I don't you think know? the. I mean, I a the big corporation makes a great product that I like. I have nothing against it. Right. But Starbucks coffee is just not for me. Okay. Simple right. as that. Yeah. I get that. I, I don't I, actually, I, I don't. Th- I, I think there's probably not for a lot of people, but a lot of people just go to it because it's convenient. It's become a, a house name. You know, you you see the you see the sign off in the distance. You know that's where the coffee is. So you go and you know it. and you know what you're getting. You know exactly what you're right. getting, right? Um, and so she she flies in. Let's go get some coffee. Okay. So start. We don't have Starbucks. And then all of a sudden we we drive to two or three places. That aren't even coffee shops. One of them, I think, is an apartment that has like a coffee drip coffee in the ba- in the lobby. Okay. And we're, we spent twenty minutes trying to find a cup of coffee, and eventually we just go like, you know what? We're out of here. Let's just stop by the Shell gas station, get some gas gut, station coffee, gut rot coffee. And right. Let's go. And some drilling coffee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, some driller coffee. <laughs> and um, you know, on the way down, we're like, why do why are, I cannot believe there's no drive-through coffee stands here? We're like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And then. One thing led to another, and Clutch City Coffee was born on a drive uh, down to Port Aransas. So, did, so are you opening this bit? So, so what's the the motivation behind this? I, t- tell me about the motivation behind the uh, the Clutch City Coffee. Motivation? Uh, yeah, I mean the motivation. I mean, yeah. Look, I, I want a lot of things that I had in uh, Connecticut. You know what I mean? Like bacon, egg, and cheeses, uh, de- actual delis. You know, Houston has no delis, like Italian-owned like delis, yeah. like. Yeah, what do you need? Like, I lo- I miss that stuff. Um, so, how does like 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 what kind of like spurred like you know what I'm opening this up? What mo- what was the motivator opening it up? So, my whole life, I've I've always wanted to work for myself. I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. That's been my my 
uncles, my grandparents, my father, they've all worked for themselves. Right. That's what I've seen. And it's kind of what I always aspired to. Yeah. Um, oil industry, it's pretty hard to do that. You know, it's not just, you know, starting your own deals. It's pretty easy these days. It's 2020, <laughs> Q4, we just had an election. Biden is going to be the president-elect. It's pretty easy these days, yeah. right? Absolutely. Okay. You know, anyone can do it. Anybody can. <laughs> so, you know, we saw this and it's like, you know, a coffee stand, um, it's pretty much, it's it's not very expensive. It's... Um, low cost of entry, so to speak. Okay. It's a relatively simple concept. It's not complicated. Um, my wife used to work in coffee stands. Um, she was a manager of some. And so it's just, you know, in my free time, I would just go do research on industry statistics and this and that. And over the course of a year, year and a half, I kind of just built a, a business plan. Was there like an, like an aha, like an oh shit moment? Like this, we got to attack this. Like was, was there some something that came back to you that kind of you started researching you're like, we, we have to do this, honey. Like, we, we need to do this. Well, when it, it – so it was kind of like two things came together. Um, you know, you're building, you're building the business plan. You're looking at the economics. And you're like, well, you know, that looks nice. looks good. But, you know, how realistic is yeah. it? And then you start looking into the city of Houston. And what you find is that Starbucks has – this is the second most locations of a Starbucks in the United States. What's the first? Uh, the first I, I ca- cannot remember. It might be Seattle's Seattle. Th- Seattle's third. Really? Seattle's third, I believe. Houston has something like 130, 140 Starbucks in the greater Houston area. Um, and then you start looking to it even more. And I think I think New York City has number one. There it is. Yeah. It's New York City. I think so. Right. But when you start looking into Houston itself, Houston, you know, I told you earlier, Anchorage has 2.5 coffee stands per 10,000. Mm-hmm. Houston has 2.8 coffee stands per 100,000 or coffee shops per 100,000. Okay. Right. And so if you look at the, you know, the major cities of the United States, um, Houston is one of the most underserved coffee markets in, in the country. Really? Absolutely. So, okay. So, and Houston is either the first or second largest coffee port in the United States because of the uh, port of Houston. That's right. Port of Houston. So, so you're seeing this, you're seeing this and you're thinking, well, all right, well, you know, my wife knows this. she's managed this before you're doing the market research. You're thinking, okay, well there's an opportunity here, right? I mean, most people go to Starbucks and they'll sit in their, their cars for, you know, two minutes or two, three minutes, five minutes, however long it takes. Right. Or sometimes you have to pull around and park and they walk it out for you. So what was kind of, uh, did you just want to bring this in because it was something that you kind of grew up with in a lot or, dealt lived next to in Alaska or is this something that you're like okay well this is kind of uh uh the you're offering something new like the the, the drive through aspect of it but it's a little bit of both you know it's like Houston is a commuter city people are on the drive mm-hmm. you're moving right and a lot of people don't want to get out of their car go into the coffee shop I was saying also a- Houston's lazy city too like, fair enough we love being lazy I'm I'm great at being lazy you, you know, know what I mean if there's an option to get out of your car and go in or drive through you go, you, you go drive through. Yeah. Well, the problem with Starbucks is it's a 15, 20 minute wait. Yeah. And the reason that is, is because you're competing with people on the inside for espresso machine time, food. They got to prepare food and all that stuff. We're not making any food. We'll have food delivered every morning. I want to get into this breakfast t- t- topic after this. Okay. Go on. So what we're going to, what we're doing is we're trying to speed up the process. Okay. And we found, a, um, and then I guess on the other side of this 
is in Houston, what, what I have noticed since I've been in Houston, um, I live in Brooksmith, which is kind of the east side of the Heights, Main Street okay. area, um, is Houston's developing a pension for uh, homegrown and local. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, Especially in the Heights area. Absolutely. Yeah. People are starting, you know, there's the slogan in Austin, which is keep Austin weird. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean let's do a bunch of drugs and be weirdos. What it actually represents a long time ago was support your mom and pops. Support right. your locals. Right. And you're starting to see that grow in Houston. And so, you know, with Starbucks dominating the landscape around here, you know, think about um, uh, breweries and Ambev. Oh, they're, bl- Coors. they're blowing up here. Well, so the, the local mom and pop breweries are blowing up in Houston. Yeah. And the big, big national brands are suffering. Well, I mean, think about that in the coffee culture. That's Starbucks, right? Yeah. That's Miller Coors. That's Ambev. That's uh, Dude, you, Anheuser. You can walk into, to, I, I, I'll bet, I'll bet the majority of, of, of bar restaurants in the Houston Heights area and all that stuff. And it's, it'll be, you'll be challenged to find a Miller Lite. That's right. You know what I mean? You'll be challenged to find a Coors Light because it's all this. It's the local, you know, no label, um, um, uh, Carbach. It, it, it's the local stuff. That's right. Yeah. And so, in in my, you know, I, I feel like coffee is probably uh, more applicable than beer is to people. More people like coffee oh, yeah. than beer, right? And more people need coffee than beer. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, and so I, I see coffee going the same way that uh, the beer has. Yeah. You know, local mom and pops. The people are going to want that and. Uh, we've teamed up with Cats uh, Coffee, um, local, been around for 25 years. Where's Cats out of? Cats is uh, right uh, off Carbach Street by Carbach Brewery. Really? Absolutely. Okay. And right. uh, Avi Katz has started that up. And, man, he has been so helpful for us. And, and uh, he's kind of held our hand in the coffee industry. And, you know, so we decided that's where the Clutch City Coffee comes from. The idea is that we want to be a homegrown, local, fast coffee that's good and supports our community. We're the... Were there any other names besides you before you settled on Clutch City Coffee? Uh, yeah, we we worked on a few. Any other any ones that stand out? I feel like you're t- trying to you're trying to get me to. This is just a conversation, bro. <laughs> like we're just talking. We're, hey, we're talking coffee. Beans. Talking coffee. We're yeah. talking coffee. You know, we we thought about you know H Town Espresso, okay. Bayou City Coffee, Clutch City Espresso, and we love the alliteration with Clutch City Coffee. Yeah, and so that's what we went with it. It's supposed to be a reference back and to the- y'all's logo is pretty cool too. So hey, I don't know if uh, if uh, it, it, if anyone of uh, any of the listeners are following, but uh, y'all have an uh, Instagram page, uh, uh, Clutch City hold Coffee. Hold on a second, HTX. Instagram page. <laughs> what am I, my dad? Your age no, is showing. No, uh, an Instagram account. It's Clutch City Coffee HTX. XTX. Yeah, and it's and it's pretty cool. It's got the uh, it's got the Houston City uh, skyline in the back, and uh, right. That's right. Well, so we had two logos. One was going to be uh, more for you know uh, we wanted to have an artist do a, uh, a mural yeah. with the city skyline and our name and logo on it but that uh, that's pretty hard to like replicate and print or stamp or anything like that so we made a a very concise circle logo that has a cup of coffee on it with a c representing clutch city coffee you know and um and so that's the logo we we chose for our, our main logo. Yeah. So what is your uh, strategy when it comes to kind of like uh, naming your coffees and the sizes? Are you doing anything cute? No. Just straightforward? Just keep it simple, stupid. Well, what, how simple? So we're only going to offer two sizes. It's 12 and 16 ounces. And, um, you know, ice drinks only come in 16. There's some drinks that have to be 8 ounces. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll have those, obviously. But for the most part, we're trying to keep the options down. 
so that you can move through quickly. So the quality is good. Avi Katz, Avi Katz uh, brings his own beans in from Colombia. He roasts Dude, them himself. Katz coffee is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's it really it's so we, good. We get that at the house all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're we're pretty pumped that they decided to help us out and go with us. You know, and and we're working together, and it, it's great. So. Let's say I'm there. Let's say I'm there. I'm tired. I'm swinging by a Richmond right across from Luling Barbecue, and I want a cup of coffee from uh, the newest hot. You know, you go over have a big barbecue. You're a little tired. You little pick me up after lunch. You need lunch. to pick me up. Come on over. Well, tell me about the tell me about this whole breakfast dilemma you've been dealing with for the past three months. I mean, this is a this is a, whether you like it or not. I'm gonna bring it up. You're okay. in the hot seat, right? It's a hot topic. Let's talk about what it. are we doing about breakfast? What are we doing about breakfast? What are we doing to fuel fuel Houston? So we're in Houston, right? Houstonians love tacos and they love kolaches. Yes. Right, but we are not a kitchen. We don't make food because we don't want to slow down the process. So you're all about efficiency and quality. That's right. We're going to make taste the coffee when you just kind of like Starbucks. You know exactly what you're going to get. Right. You know, it's going to be the same quality every time, and we're going to be as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of that is that what you some, something you can do is you can have other restaurants make your food for you and deliver it in the morning. Okay. So we're trying to decide. Have you decided? We have not decided. We've uh, talked to a few people. We are trying to figure out where we want to be. Well, time out. You've done a poll uh, recently on uh, on Instagram on whether it's kolaches or tacos, and what was the result of that? Uh, it we're still gathering the results. Um, the latest I've checked because I participated in that poll from both my accounts, JP Warren and Around <laughs> the Rotary. It's 100% tacos. That's kind of what that's kind of what I'm picking up on. It's gonna be tacos. So. Fair enough. But you have to also remember a lot of those uh, followers are from Alaska, and they don't even know what a kolache is. Well, a lot of those followers from Alaska are also followers of Round the Rotary That's podcast. Correct. So they're listening <laughs> in today. Um, yeah, so we'll probably do tacos. If we start getting a lot of requests for kolaches, we'll, we'll try and figure something out. How you gonna, what's your process on actually finding the vendor for tacos. I mean, tell me about that process. Cause that sounds like a fun, that sounds like a fun process. Like choosing, like, like, uh, I imagine it's like choosing a wedding cake, you know, you just go sample all the sampling stuff. Like it's the- like a bourbon sampling or it's a whatever sampling. So tell me about that. You know, there's no real process. It's more of a, who's willing to make the proper deal. You know, what, yeah. how much are they going to sell us the taco for as well as what do, do people want? What do people yeah. like? And, um, you can't sell a bunk, a bunk breakfast taco. Not in Houston. No. Houston, you've got to have a proper taco. Exactly. That's exactly. Right. You know, and so really for us, it's, it's more about, um, the tacos. It's about flour. It's about eggs, huevos. It's about <laughs> it's bacon. Huevos. And the thing is though, about this place, I, lo- I love this area too that y'all are at because it's kind of right inside the gallery. You're right before, uh, Greenway, uh, Plaza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greenway Plaza right there. Yep, we're right next to that down. Costco. So you have Raging Cajun down yeah. by the train tracks, and then you have Afton Oaks Neighborhood, and yep. then you have uh, Luling City Barbecue, Bayou City Seafood, Liberty Taco. It's a, it's a great area, and I drove by it this morning, and there's a huge sign out there, so you can't miss it if you're driving by. That's the idea. And if you go in, you say you uh, listen to Round the Rotary Podcast with Marshall Brown, you get a 30% discount. Does that sound right? <laughs> Fair enough. We might be able to work something out. I think we can. So, okay, so you're you're looking for breakfast. You look So, what was this going on right now? I guess in the in the, in the economies and the industry and all this stuff. I mean, is this an opportunity to kind of I guess uh, uh, diversify a little bit your uh, your income streams and other people potentially have this opportunity as well? So, when it originally the idea came up, it wasn't so much about that. This is back in 2018, and things were better then. Yeah. Um, but what it has turned into is things are so unpredictable now that you know with all the 
M&A action going on and consolidation. Oh, dude, it's every week. It's, it's something, right? And guess what you always hear? We have X amount of dollars or percentage being reduced through uh, synergies. 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 You know what that means? I know what that means. GNA reductions. Yep. That means less jobs. Yep. And so, with with what's currently going on, it was more of like, well, we need to uh, diversify a little bit, kind of give yourself an option in case you know things turn sour on you, because um, there's no guarantee. I mean, well, there's no guarantee, and also there's no there, you have no control over it. No, you have no. I mean, you could be the best engineer, or the best salesperson, or the best procurement, or whatever you are. But at the same time, at, at the end of the day, it might be just unfortunate. Where you you just fall under that line. You know, you can hear, I've heard a lot of people say, like, I've made it through all these from 2015 to now, and I haven't been let go because I'm the best or whatever. There's a lot of luck with that. Man, you know it's what? It's a lot of luck. You I, can be good, but it's a lot of luck. I just got a, a message on uh, LinkedIn the other day. This this uh, gentleman, he's like, you know, I've been in the old field all my life. I was doing a good job with a great company, blah, 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 all that stuff. You know, pretty much just like, he's like, in, in a blink of an eye. It's gone. That's right. And it's that's 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 heart wrenching to me because it's like, man, you know, this person put their you know heart and soul and their you know they miss probably miss time away from the family, their child's birthdays, a lot of sacrifices, gone, just like that, just like that, you know. And so for me, it was it's turned into something where it's like in case that happens because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That at least I have something I can work on to keep my mind busy potentially make some money like we're not open yet but obviously we wouldn't be doing it if we thought we were going to fail so are you uh, are you kind of um um i guess, I guess the, the the investors on this place i mean are you, are you finding it uh kind of uh, uh people being hesitant right now about investment place or are people kind of jumping on this because it's an alternative source of uh, income potentially so what we found is that everybody's very interested um it's been a very positive response every um I, everyone but one is an oil field uh, really, every investor except one, and the other two are in the Navy. But well, no, I mean, so 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 all these investors, everyone, every single one of them is pretty much an oil field, oil field investor. Really, that's right. And every single one has pretty much said, either we love the concept, we think Houston could really use something like this, or we need to find something other than oil to invest in. So if uh, if this takes, well, I guess you can start calling that black the new black gold. <laughs> the new black, the gold. new black gold. Uh-huh. So, is this something that potentially has the uh, has the legs to kind of potentially open up other uh, uh, locations and all that? So, the idea is um, we we got investors to, to kind of spread out the risk, you okay. know, de risk the project because obviously we don't know if it's going to work or not. If I knew it was going to work, I would have done it myself. Yeah, and, and if I did- and you would have been <laughs> slugging away in the, the fun times of the only gas industry for the past fifteen years. Exactly. So we raised startup money for it. Yep, um, through investors. And the idea is if this one works, we'd like to open them up around the city. Okay. Uh, so we definitely have plans uh, to open up. Do you if, have, if, it, if it's successful. There's no, there's no if. Um, so do you have any advice for uh, people out there listening that are kind of just sitting there that, that you know, that uh, you know that might be in the oil and gas or any industry right now that are listening right now that, that kind of have a uh, – a feeling or a hunch to hop on an opportunity that might be completely not what they're comfortable with and kind of outside. The, I mean, what what is your advice to people that are looking to diversify outside the oil and gas industry? Well, I think that's there's two questions there. One is to diversify out of the oil and gas through investment. The other one is, are you, are you kind of asking about someone who might have a no, startup take, idea? No, take it. Take it. You know, Both. Well, we'll start with the startup idea. Yeah. You know, um, with me, all I can speak is my personal experience. Um, but through the process we've gotten, we haven't opened yet. We're probably four weeks away from opening up. 
But uh, there's always hurdles and there's always going to be naysayers and there's always people that are going to have negative comments. And you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your idea. And if you do, you need to go for it. Okay. Um, for me, there's, um, there's been a lot of positivity, but there's been, there's been some, some roadblocks and things that you just have to um, look past and you have to push through them. Um, and you, gotta, you just got to go for it. Okay. You know, there's a little, it's risk. Yeah, you got to be a little, a little. Um, well, I mean, that's, on, that's entrepreneur right there. That's right. I mean, it, it is a risk. So, so for people that are looking to, I guess, uh, go out of not just invest, but mm-hmm. people that actually kind of want to get out, and like you know what, I've always kind of want to, you know, be a fishing guide, or I've kind of always want to open a, a bakery or something like whatever their passion is, is something completely unrelated, such as coffee mm-hmm. and oil field or whatever and all that stuff. So, what, what I guess uh, is your uh, outlook advice or something like that for people that are kind of almost about to jump ship. I personally feel like we put a lot of like constructs in what life, what we are supposed to do. Go, uh, uh, let's go down this hole. You want to go down this I hole? I love this hole. Let's yeah. go down this hole. So what do you mean? So, you know, let's take it for when I was working with Conoco. Right? Okay. It's pretty, you know, it's challenging work, but what I, I the checks come in every day. Yep. And life's pretty predictable. I don't know how my project's going to go, but life itself, I know this check's going to come X, Y, and Z. And it's pretty predictable, right? Um, and, and when you kind of get used to that lifestyle, you build a lot of expectation and constructs about what you're supposed to do. Right. But one thing that, you know, starting this business is kind of, you know, when I was younger, I thought this way. And now that I'm starting this coffee business with my wife, it's kind of reopened my mind again about um, there are no real rules on how you're supposed to live your life. There's it, not. It's your life. You know right? what? They're, they're guidelines. It's like if you want your life to be easy, you can go collect checks. Yeah. If you want your life to be hard, you can go do X, Y, do and Z. Else, yeah. Do something else. And if you want to take a chance, you can do this. And you can do anything you want. And you might fall and you might. So I completely agree with that. I, in life, I mean, there's there's always that uh, there's that constant. Oh, once I once I'm here, then I'm gonna be happy. Once I'm, you know, it starts off in you know elementary school. It starts, you know, then once I get to middle school, I'm better. Once, man, once I'm a senior, I've had I'm, those exact conversations with myself. You, I mean, you. I'm sure everyone does. As soon as I get here, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be satisfied. This is gonna be good. I'm gonna be. This is gonna be exactly what I wanted. But you're always chasing, it. and then what happens? You wind up to be 65 years old. You're retired, no energy, and you're like, okay, now what? What did, what did I just now do? What? Now what? what it's over. Yeah. It's over. That's right. I think, and, and actually I think uh, this whole COVID quarantine situation too, um, I think it has had a lot more people um, understanding that that safety net of, uh, of life, or that common career path that people – have been taught their whole life. It's not necessarily true. And it's, and the thing is, though, is it really fulfilling? You know, I mean, you could be in a job for 30, 40 years. And I mean, is it really enriching? Well, I think it is to some people. No, no, I, I agree. You know, I, I, I have an uncle who has been very successful in the oil business. And um, he's worked for some, he works for a very large company. And, you know, he, he told me when he looked at my business plan for the coffee shop and yeah. He was like, you know, when I was uh, when I was first coming out of Texas A&M, I wanted to have my own business and start my own oil company. Yeah. And 
um, you know, I was going to work for a major for five years. Then I was going to work for an independent for five years. And I was going to do my own thing. There's always that the next, the next thing. And then what he found was that he wasn't comfortable spending other people's money or or taking those risks. And he ended up staying with that first company his entire career he's still there and he's happy yeah and he loves it and there's nothing wrong with that listen i'm not not everyone does their own thing i'm not i'm not i'm not speaking to that but what i'm speaking to is the whole like okay once i get to this then i'll be happy once i get to this once i get to this step well once i get to manager role or vp role or see the but at the end of the day i mean once you're you know as as we said 60 65 years old you know you're it's like okay like you get to that level then what you know, I mean, you're always, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is you're always, you're propping yourself up for that next step. And that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me, it's all, you're always chasing that carrot. That's right. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, um, I'm pretty excited about this thing. I, I, I am one of those people who, you know, starting this business kind of opened my mind back up to like, you can, you don't have to play by their rules, play by your rules. Yeah. You know, there's obviously some rules you got to play by. No, no, no. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to living your life, um, you do you do what you you want to do. It makes you happy. Chase some stuff. It's okay to fall. Yeah, you know we might fall on this. I hope we don't, but we might. Yeah, and it'll be one heck of a learning experience, one way or another. Amen to that. Um, so what else? Uh, what else, anything else about the, uh, the 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 Clutch City Coffee that you like to discuss? Clutch City Coffee. Um, I mean, we're really excited. So one of the ideas that I had for it is I'm a big you know, I like I'm a big believer in community. Yeah. And one thing that bugs me is government telling us what we should do. Okay. And I don't want to get into politics. I just, I, I, hey, I just had a, a DRW on here, and, and trust me, I, I get it. I yeah. get it. Government telling you what, what you can and can't do. You know, and, and for me, um, I don't. I think community should take care of community. Okay. I don't think government should take care of us because it's too big. Yeah. They, they can't see. Yeah. Right. And so we wanted to be in a neighborhood where we could um, give back because, right, our business is not going to succeed unless the community supports us. Right. So we should give back to the community. So one of the things, like in my grand scheme of things, is if we open up multiple shops, every shop will be able to dedicate some of its funds to to a, a, a community um in that area. In that area. Yeah. To do something, whether okay. it's, you know, books for the school or something, some sort of community outreach will dedicate some of, if we're, you know, yeah. we have to be successful first, but um, we'll Stop dedicate. Stop saying that. Stop <laughs> well, saying that. it's preparing myself. Don't prepare yourself. Fair enough. So, so I, I like that aspect. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 you you get back to the community, you get back to, you, you improve that and actually it grows from there. I, I mean, it gets to that bigger level, that national level. You know, I have a kind of a, a philosophy of the business should take care of its, not just its people, but its community. Yeah. Because without them, there's nothing. Yeah. Right. So you give back and uh, that's what I want to do eventually. What point of the season are you going to be rolling out uh, pumpkin spice? Point of the season. Is that going to be? <laughs> well, you know. Well, no. We talked. Talk we, to, we, we talked, talked about, this. about it. We talked I think about this. There's a few this. people out there that would love year-round pumpkin spice. I think there's a lot of people that would love year-round pumpkin spice. But that's like year-round Christmas lights. I don't think I can do it. I disagree. Really? I got I got upset at my wife last year because she took the Christmas lights down in March, and I'm like, well, don't, don't get me wrong. The tree was down. Okay. I just love Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. I do. Too. It's a cool ambiance. But you know why they're cool? Is because they're seasonal. They're not year-round. I don't know. If they were every day, they'd lose their specialness. 
I, 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 I'm going to have to disagree with you with that. That's like saying uh, TV. Uh, man, it's not the same analogy. Whatever. No, I, I just like crystallized. So, so what's the deal? What's uh, what's are you gonna are you gonna pad are you gonna pad it a couple months? Or are you gonna shorten it? Well, we will. We will. We might pad padded stats. A I think bit. you should. Yeah. I think you should pad it. I think that'll be a big uh, a big uh, selling point to a lot of people. Well, we can we can we'll definitely be taking. Um, requests so drilling wells and uh making coffee that's it i like that and turkey hunt well work over work over work over not drilling work over no yeah i know so uh, also turkey hunting too is something you enjoy man i've got a i've got it bad for turkey hunting so i don't know anything about turkey hunting but so that's you want to get into that at all we can happy to talk to me about it um, so are you? So you're a hunter. You're I, a fisherman more, but you're a hunter also. That's correct. Okay. So you and you enjoy turkey hunting the best because it's the most challenging. It's the most. It's like a chess match. What do you mean? You talk to the birds. What do you mean? You, you get out there and you call them and you hear them and they're moving and you're moving and, um, you know, it's just it's fun. It's interactive and you're not just sitting there waiting on them. I've heard it's. I've heard that's the part that draws people in. Is it's the strategy of it. So when you're turkey hunting, I have a, a group of friends that we've uh, called the Turkey Group, Turkey Guys, and uh, we go turkey hunting every year. We have one very trip. creative name, by the way. Yeah, well, the we don't, guys. we don't, we don't actually have a name. I call them that. You know, I like that. It is what it is. That's the group text name. Turkey group text, guys. Turkey yeah. Guys. And uh, every year we go on a turkey hunt. And um, where at? Uh, recently has been in Goliad, Texas. Okay. But um, this is the last year we're going to have that place. Okay. Um, so, uh, anywho, we have a group, we love going, um, but with turkey hunting, uh, the birds are, you can't chase them. You'll never catch a turkey, right? You have to get in front of them. So there's two ways to get a bird to show up, right? You talk to them and convince it to come to you, or you talk to it and figure out where it's going and you get in front of it. So you have to have a strategy. What? Absolutely. Okay, so I, I, get, I get the – you're saying talking, do I? I'm assuming it's the turkey calls. Oh, turkey calls. So how do you know, like, hey, it's coming towards us or, hey, wants us to meet us down by the creek? Well, you get <laughs> – wants to meet us down by the creek. I don't know. You get familiar with, some, with a, an area, right, with what turkeys are doing. They follow patterns, right? They're going to move. They move all day long. Okay. And so when you're talking to them, you're, you're gobbling, you're, you're – um, calling a turkey yeah. and it gobbles back, you can tell whether it's coming to you or walking away from you or which direction it's going. Okay. When they don't talk, it's very, very How? Cold. You can hear them. You hear where they're located in the woods. Right? So, oh, so you do, so you do one call. I do a call, they call back. And then you do another call and if they sound farther away, you know they're walking away. That's right. And so you do it over a course of time. You're like, well, they're moving from east to west. It's like, well, I know what's over there. I know where they're going to go. So I get up and I move. And then I start calling again. And they start calling again, and they either show up or they keep I, moving. I think the strategy behind uh, turkey hunting is very fast. I've talked to you about this, and I talked to another buddy of mine, Tyler Renato, about this. Like, he was an avid turkey hunter as well, and it's just like it's fascinating. Like at first, I'm like, ah, you're just sitting there waiting for it to walk by, because that's like most hunting. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I've been bird hunting for deer hunting, all this. It's like you're sitting there waiting for them to come. You know what I mean? But uh, he, like, what he was saying, what you're saying. It sounds something completely different. Like you're like you're at kind of you're trying to outthink them. That's right. It's a chess match. Yeah. You know, it's 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 interactive hunting. All you're right. talking back and forth and you're making moves. But if you if you follow the bird, you'll never catch it. So you have to get ahead of it. Really? That's right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. All right. Okay. So you, you so you going on a turkey hunt soon? So uh, in the fall. 
which is kind of weird turkey season. Uh, it, they, the turkeys aren't uh, gobbling, right? Uh, it's only gobbled during mating season, which is in the spring. Okay. So there is a fall turkey season, but it is not much fun to hunt them, in my opinion, because you're not not inter- a lot of singles out there. Not yeah, they're all grouped up. Yeah, they're already like they, it's it's kind of like in uh, Alaska, like they got their like, they got their like the the winter girlfriend for that, for a while. That's right. Right. Yeah, that's I the get that. winter girlfriend. You know yeah. what that is. Huh? I know. <laughs> well, so at Noble Drilling, I was up in the yeah in the Newfoundland, and they're like, oh, he's got his winter girlfriend. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's the, you know the snow's coming, so you just yeah. So that's the that's fall turkey hunt. That's fall turkey hunt. Okay. Okay. So they all they all flock up, and you have all the uh, all the hens, all the gobblers, and all the uh, yearlings, all in big fifty. You know. 50 do you do any of the type of hunting? Um, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, do you and like is that turkey hunting? I have uh, I've been fortunate enough to to live in Alaska and become a resident, and so I was able to sheep hunt up okay. there, and uh, I, I fell in love with uh, sheep? sheep sheep hunting in the mountains. After doll sheep and stone sheep in Alaska, so that's been uh, something that I I have missed dearly since I moved back. For dearly, sure. yeah, hunting deer. No, nah. pun intended. Well, I don't really enjoy deer hunting. I, I enjoy eating. I don't like deer hunting either. It's kind of I really know, don't. I, I did it one time. Uh, it's not my thing. I like to eat them. I like bird hunting. Yeah, bird hunting. I love bird hunting. I think you if sheep hunting is very very hard. It's very difficult when you're doing it. You kind of like, why the heck am I doing this? This is terrible. And then when it's done, it's the greatest thing you've ever done. I haven't heard of a lot of people doing sheep hunting. It's it's not common. It's not. No, uh, in most states, you have to get a draw to do it, or you have to pay a very top dollar really? guide to take you sheep hunting. In Alaska, really? if you're a resident, you can get over the counter tags. Okay. Know, which you know. But you have to be a resident. You of have Alaska. to be a resident of Alaska. If you're non-resident, you have to get a guide. Gotcha. And it's very expensive. All right. Yeah. All right. So I was fortunate uh, that I have that experience. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Marshall, um, you have anything else for us before I kind of ask you a couple of... Oh, yes. Come. Go. Oh, go ahead. No, you bring it. I was going to do the jokes. Okay. I was going to I was gonna ask you. You were very concerned about uh, breakfast. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you what's your favorite breakfast Okay. No, so, so time out. So this is a big deal right now. So... For those that you don't know Marshall, uh, Marshall's a buddy of mine, and we've been kind of talking for the past probably about three months, four months right now about breakfast, about breakfast and break. You know what? What would you serve if you were at Clutch City Coffee and all this stuff? Which I love because you're kind of getting feedback from everyone and the, the the people. You know, you're not making your you're having everyone else kind of weigh in on kind of the decision, which I enjoy. And so you know, breakfast is kind of change whether you're in. So I grew up in Connecticut, so breakfast up there are different than down here, than different in Alaska, different Mississippi, Mississippi, Florida. Wherever you're from, okay. So where I grew up, the breakfast were bagels with like cream cheese and like like bacon, egg, and cheese and like a a, a hoagie bun. Right mm-hmm. down here, it's tacos. What was in Alaska? Alaska, I think breakfast is a biscuits. caribou leg. <laughs> caribou leg with a salmon milkshake. Man, uh, I would have to say the most common thing would be. Uh, biscuits and sausage gravy. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. That's that sounds pretty. I, pretty actually, hearty. I think any hearty meal sounds Alaskan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like anything like that make you want to take a nap after. To be honest with you, with Alaska, their thing like they don't really have. I mean, there's a lot of um, Asian influence there. You get a lot of Thai food. And really? Yeah. There's a lot of that. Okay. But it's really pizza and beer. I, 
I dig beer. that. They got a lot of breweries and they got a lot of homemade pizzas. So Alaska is pretty much the dive bar of the United States of America. You got it. I love that. I love that. So, okay, so let's talk breakfast. So what's uh, your breakfast, man? I love breakfast. my favorite meal of the day. What's your spot in Houston to get breakfast at? Besides Plug City to coffee. I don't eat breakfast anymore. Why? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a young uh, young buck anymore. Got to keep the pounds off. So it's more of a personal decision versus a want. That's correct. So yeah. I, I do breakfast for dinner quite a bit. Do you really? I love breakfast for dinner. Like what? Oh, eggs, bacon. Toast, cheese, anything. For dinner. Oh, yeah. Okay. I dig yeah, that. Absolutely. Do you share that with your, your family? Oh, she loves breakfast for dinner, too. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. You got that going. The little, the, fried little eggs. Weird, the little weird cork at the house. Oh, we love fried eggs with avocado, salt and pepper, a little cheese on top on some toast. Woo. Are you a spam eater? I, I am not. I have had it. I like masubi. Dude, I love spam. I seriously do. Like yeah. you, fr- you, you fry some spam with some eggs. You That's had the way of course, but why don't you explain to the audience who doesn't know what that is? It's Misubi is spam sushi. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Monica makes that. Monica makes that. <laughs> Obviously, you knew what that. Yeah, was. Yeah, my wife <laughs> makes that for us sometimes, like on Lazy Sunday days. Yeah. She's like, yeah, make some uh, well, masushi. We, we call it spam sushi. Spam sushi. Yeah. yeah, you put some spam with some rice. I love, how you, I love how you just like made it classy. You're like masushi. What'd you call it? Masubi. Yeah, like no, dude, spam sushi. Just say spam sushi. Yeah. That's how it is. That's how I. We <laughs> they, call they serve it. it in the gas stations in Alaska. I used to Do they really? Yeah. yeah. That sounds so phenomenal, by the way, right now. <laughs> Wow, yeah. love that. Uh-huh. So, um, so I guess I got a couple questions for you um, relating to coffee. Okay, what do you call a what do you call really sad coffee? Not a clue. Depresto. Depresto. All right. What happens when someone is a? Uh, st- what do you call it when someone's stealing your coffee? You got me again. A mugging. <laughs> this is. Do you know what the opposite of coffee is? Offy. Sneezy. Sneezy. Nice. Thank you. You know how the hipster burnt his tongue? He drank his coffee before. It was too cool. So these are all uh, jokes that you can actually, if you want to actually. Maybe we'll start putting up on our sign. When if, we you wanna me, if you want to hire me as an in-house consultant on, uh, on your jokes, like kind of like Bob's Burgers with his puns, uh-huh. with his hamburgers, I'll do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. So what else do you like? I mean, let's wrap this. So what, what else do you like getting into besides hunting, uh, open up coffee shops, your family? I mean, do you, uh, are you getting any uh, t- TV shows or books or what? Uh, no, I'm not really into any TV shows. No. Um, you're not like on. The- I used to to read quite a bit, um, not quite a bit. I, I enjoyed reading. It's kind of fallen off the wayside yeah. since the young one and what's been going on lately. But uh, you know, it's, it's really I, I like to enjoy outside. Outside, just being outdoors. I'm an huh? outside guy. That's kind of tough being in Houston from uh, from Alaska. Huh? It is. It is tough. But you know, Houston has got its own own special thing. You, yeah, you got to enjoy the place you are, where you are, right? Yeah. You know, if you come to Houston expecting Alaska, you're going to hate it. But if you come to Houston and you appreciate the things it offers, it can be a fabulous place. That's right. Yeah. Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, anyway, everyone, I want to, Marshall, thank you for so much for coming in today. Thanks for having oh, me. Okay. I've never shook hand, a hand. Before. We're handshaking. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 so are you, uh, are you upset about the elections? Upset about the elections? No, are I'm not just, upset. Is your world over? No, not at all. What I'm would be upset about is I'm I 
think there's positives and negatives to both candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. just I would like it to to believe that the election is correct. I would like everyone to calm down a little bit and just kind of start working together and just kind of get through everything. You know, what's interesting is we're both in the oil business, and yeah, well, well, hasn't felt like it since March, but yeah, yeah. apparently we are. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the oil industry, if you go back and look over time, it generally always makes more money under Democrats than under Republicans. Obama, 120 bucks a oil. Hey, look at that. I'll take that any day. You know, it might not have done it. They regulate it, and that's why it goes up. And it's not the right way of doing it. But, hey, it goes up. So, Well, my thing is this. I don't think it's the – all I'm saying is I don't think it's the end of the the world. It's not the end of the world. My thing is this. It's like – if you want to put your attention on that, like ruining your day and ruining how you interact with people and all that stuff, then that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks for you. Or you just kind of say, okay, like I watched this uh, this 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 Conan and uh, Bill Burr when uh, Trump was elected back in sixteen. And, uh, you know, Conan's obviously trying to lead him to say, like, oh, I hate, you know, how Trump got elected and all that stuff. And he's like, so what do you think about Trump being elected? And Bill Burr's like, eh, I don't really care. And uh, he's like, what do you mean you don't care? Like, like, come on. Everyone's like booing him. He's like, what do you give a shit? Like, when was the last time Obama <laughs> called you to see how you're doing? Or when was the last time he made you a sandwich? He's like, nah, you're going to get up, go to your shitty job, and call it a day. Same day, same day as usual. You got it. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Just go out there, be kind to people. Be all nice, right? That's all we know? need. We need more of that than this whole political. You know, we were talking about rules and constructs earlier. The only one that ever has stayed true throughout time is, you know, treat others how you'd want to be treated. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's that simple. And it'd be a happier place. Absolutely. I agree with that. Anyway, Marshall, I appreciate you coming in. Again, this is Marshall Brown. Uh, for those that you live in Houston or are coming to Houston to stop on stop on through, be sure to check out uh, his, uh, his new uh, coffee shop. S- support local and support oil field. There you go. Right? That's right. right. And um, I hope... 4733 Richmond Avenue. And we're going to put the link in the uh, the the all this all the media when, once once we uh, release this too so everyone can follow uh, uh uh Clutch City Coffee and support them. I think uh, I'm kind of excited about this. I'm over the whole Starbucks thing too. I hate getting I love being lazy. I hate getting out of my car. Call me new school, but <laughs> I want to drive through where I can be a lazy piece of shit. And enjoy it, okay? So well, that's us. That's come to Clutch City Coffee. Come to Clutch City Coffee. We got you covered. Come to Clutch City Coffee, you lazy bums. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to this, man. I think I think that you put a lot of work behind it, and it's exciting to hear that so many oil field people are kind of in this with you. And uh, I think that's a that's that's a, that's a cool new thing. And hopefully, you see a lot of more oil oil and gas uh, professionals kind of kind of getting out there, kind of do their own things. I think that way you can kind of start, you know being advocates for the oil and gas industry in different communities as well, too. So I think that's also uh, added plus, too. A lot of talent in the oil field. A lot of talent in the oil They can go do just about anything they want to. So make sure everyone, uh, be sure to uh, support, like, and whatever, uh, the Clutch City Coffee, um, um, their their endeavors. And Marshall, I appreciate everything. And, man, hopefully next time you're in here, we're talking uh, the success of Clutch City Coffee. Talking about the second shop. And we're talking about the second shop. And we're talking about, oh, my God, do you remember when oil was only $42 a barrel? You know what I mean? Oh, hopefully, hopefully it's like way up there. Well, you don't want it too high. I'm not saying way too high. I'm just saying a little bit more with people more comfortable. A little more would be just nice. I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine with <laughs> 60, 70 right now. I'm fine with that. But uh, I, I appreciate it, buddy. And, uh, and, and good luck to you and uh, good luck to your endeavors. I, I support it. And, uh, and uh, I enjoyed coming here not talking not talking old patch. Absolutely. I mean, it's different. I, I like that. So I enjoyed it. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh 
you have me on. And, and when you do those taco about. tests, hit me up. I wanna I wanna be the I wanna be the judge. Yeah. So our goal is to get three of the best tacos we can find in town and serve those. Okay. All That's right. the goal. Challenge accepted. There it is. Challenge accepted. If you have any ideas, let us know. We'll do a blind taste test. Yeah, there we go. All right, everyone. And anyone, you can reach out to uh, to Marshall. You can find him on LinkedIn or uh, Clutch City Coffee. Just send him a message on uh, Instagram, and he'll he'll be sure to reply. And, and honestly, if you just want to sit down and have a have, have a have a beer or a coffee with this guy, I mean, he's he's, he's a pretty good guy to know. Um, but again, thank you, Marshall. I appreciate it, and uh, wish you the best of luck, bud. Thank you, sir. Thank you.